0: The following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship, St. Pete, in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at FaithFellowshipSt.Pete.org. I hope I can start out by saying I, I want to I try and get deep with y'all this morning. I want to I try and have uh, a leveling conversation with y'all and just talk to you all about what the Lord put on my heart. Today, the message is going to be on justification. The message is called Justified. And um, let me just start off by saying um, it's been a little bit of a challenging week because of everything that's been going on and the honor as presented to me. To come give this message right in a moment where, um, I was questioning a lot of things. So it was like, it was like an answered prayer to come be able to talk to you guys about, about this stuff. And it, and it feels like something that is incredibly, uh, purpose driven. One of the, I guess, one of the most humbling things to be called to do. Um, and then going into the text the the text like hit me like a ton of bricks this week. The the Bible verses hit me like a ton of bricks this week because it really is like calling me to check my own heart, to come before the Lord and um, just be really honest and be transparent and invite in healing. So um, I guess to have this conversation to talk to you guys, I'm just going to ask a few questions to start out. Um, have you all ever felt the need to want to, uh, argue on your own behalf to, to make, make yourself known to somebody to, um, to justify yourself to come before maybe, uh, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, me to me, definitely. Um, to maybe you felt like somebody has something wrong about you. Like they just didn't understand you. They don't, they don't, they don't know me um and i want to make sure like if you if i can if i could tell them why they're wrong then then y'all you will know me um or even before god um god you know me you know why i have the right intentions in my heart you know why i'm in this for the right reasons what god show everybody why they're wrong um it's a little dramatized but it doesn't have to be i mean it can like i know in my relationship with the lord it's like The whole spectrum like it's like we've tried everything so um the other the other question um what does it even mean to be justified that's a that's a pretty heavy kind of legal sounding word um think of judgment think of a judge think of uh i know we got some some friends who are in like the legal stuff and um and this world has a way of of doing that stuff. This world has a way of deciding what's justified and what's not and what's right and what's wrong. And man will often put himself in a place of a position that could only be made by a righteous judge. And it's tragic because we have brothers and sisters um right next to us, oftentimes, who we're making these calls about when we don't know the full story. So this this text this week has me checking my own heart, calling me out on um, assumptions. How often do you make assumptions about people? How often do you make uh, assumptions about situations that you don't know the full story about? Um, how often do you feel the need to plead your own case or to talk about the good things that you feel that you have done and how often does that result in me losing sight of the only one who could ever really be my justifier. So the first text we're going to look at this morning, if you all would join me, is going to be in Luke 18. We're going to go 9 through 14 and this This is the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. We start out in 9. He told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus. And I sat with that last bit for a while over the past few days. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And I start to wonder, what does it look like to exalt oneself? What does it look like to to do that? And we have the example right there in the text. And I'm looking at this Pharisee, and it can be easy to look at the pharisee and say yeah yeah you self-righteous like just and just externalize it but i think that's the very caution that this text speaks to is that okay what is he boasting in god i thank you that i'm not like other men well i'm me and they're them and we're not alike we're different there's separation between us there's this distance there's a degree of safety probably in that um or or perceived safety um I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get um, these are These are perceivably spiritual things. These are things that can appear as far as everything that we're taught in terms of religion or in terms of what I'm supposed to be doing. I could make the checklist and say, Well, i'm going to church i'm I'm reading the Bible, maybe not as much as I want to, but I'm reading the Bible. Um, I go to groups, I do this, I do that, maybe, and then, and then I can be like, well, should I be doing more of that stuff? Should I be doing more of that stuff? Tithing, fasting, all of these things in their own right, not bad things. That's not what I'm saying. But if I'm putting my stock in all of those things as if those are the things that make me someone before God any any if that I have some level of higher level over anybody else before God then we have a problem because there's a degree of separation and I'm I'm no longer seeing my brothers and sisters as family but I could be seeing my brothers and sisters as separate as enemies as strangers even and That's not a very healthy place to be, and that's not a place where I'm going to be in a loving posture uh, before my brethren. That's not a place where I'm going to be in a loving posture before the world, because I find that I can struggle with this with the world sometimes, where if I'm, you know, if I'm having a good time loving amongst my brethren and amongst uh, the body of Christ, that then I'll go out into the world and something will offend me or trigger me in the wrong way, and I don't want to have any part of that. And then if I check my thoughts and I get in my thoughts and I start wondering why that is, or if I let it get too out of hand, it can get into an unhealthy level. So these texts are very stern cautions to me personally when it comes to be careful, and then on the other hand we have a, a tax collector who at the time and in this society a tax collector probably not a very liked person probably not going to be the most appreciated person because they're going to come before you and they're going to they're going to want the government's money <laughs> and you may feel like i don't i don't know that especially if you're under roman oppression if you're under some kind of other nation's rule, there can be a little bit of a bitterness associated with that. So this tax collector might not have the best status in society. He probably could have every reason to want to come before God and justify himself. Yet, he comes before God and is troubled. He's beating his breast. This is a this is a sign of mourning. There's a few signs in the Bible of, of mourning, and this is one of those just... I'm I'm torn apart. And he's he's torn apart before God and he's pleading for mercy. God have mercy on me, a sinner. And I think we see the Lord use this parable to illustrate a contrast. The Pharisee at the time probably would have been a very uh, well-respected figure. Somebody who would have been already exalted in his own right already had a form of recognition, already had accolades, already had some form of status. And even before God, this is the danger I think I see in this, is when is it enough? Is it ever enough? Is it, are we ever going to be satisfied when we are measuring ourselves by our own achievements or measuring ourselves to, against other people? Is it ever going to be enough? And I think I, I come before you all with the answer that no, it is a cup that the more you drink from that cup, the thirstier you feel, the more you eat from that plate, the hungrier you feel. This is not a table that I want to eat from. This is not a table that is for the benefit of everybody sitting at it. And that's humbling because it's one thing to read it. It's one thing to study it. It's one thing to look at this on a page and say, yeah, that's true. And then it's another thing to actively be going through the week and taking inventory of, was I just trying to exalt myself right there? Was I just trying to put something about myself out there that I think is is good in the hopes that I would be liked, in the hopes that I would be desirable, in the hopes that I would be accepted Um, And how many times do I look at maybe the world around me and I go, man, well, at least it's not like that. At least I'm not dealing with that. At least I'm not struggling with that. Well, things might be bad here, but they're not that bad. Um, And even in the most subtle sense, I think that's that's the humbling part, too, is these things don't have to go on for a long time. I don't have to live in them, but even just the momentary glimpses of these things popping up in the heart it's it's sobering to realize that i am more like the tax collector before god than the pharisee and that's not a bad thing that's not something i say in in shame or in in a crumbled posture. That's something I'm, I'm realizing the more I walk with the Lord is actually a thing of confidence and power. And I hope to, I hope to expand upon that. The more we go into, the more we go into this text. So this gets me thinking about works and what we work for and how the, how the world system is a often an exchange based system. I'll I'm going to do this and I'm going to earn this. And if I put in this much work, I'm going to get this out of it and I'm going to I'm going to get what I give. And that seems it sounds on paper it sounds right. It sounds fair, it sounds just. It sounds wise. And when I evaluate what is it that we really deserve? That's, that's the thing that is troubling too is for every time I want to take an account of the things I feel I'm investing good. There are times where I might not even be taking an account. It's like, we want to take an account. Say we, I want to take an account of the good. And then when it comes to the bad stuff or not so bad stuff, it's like shrug it off. It's like, well, we don't have to keep track of that. Um, and it doesn't work like that in God's view. That if we are keeping an account like this in God's view, the ledger is going to be very out of balance. It's going to be very out of balance in the uh, in the category of falling short. I mean, to be completely real, one one sin is falling short in the eyes of God. The, the, the sin that we could look at is, well, that's not really that bad. You know, I don't, never murdered somebody. But then we look at the Sermon on the Mount and and Jesus turns up the law all the way to 11 so that we can see, as far as God's concerned, if we're going to use this exchange system, we all fall short. And then I'm led to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works. So that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. For good works. Which God prepared beforehand. That we should walk in them. I love this verse. Because. It reminds me of. What makes a gift a gift. And. To me, what makes a gift a gift is grace and this notion of you didn't earn it, you may not deserve it, but the characteristic of who is giving this gift, it is just out of the goodness of the love that is giving the gift and it requires a humility to receive this gift when I am offered something that I know I didn't deserve or I didn't work for it not earn it, there's something in me that naturally kind of goes, what's the catch? Or are you sure? I don't know if I can take that. I don't know if I, cause I start, is there strings attached here? Is there something, is there something else going on? And, or if I receive it, can I live with myself knowing that I don't deserve it? Can I live with, I have to really take an evaluation of of where my heart is at but to be able to humble myself and to be able to come before God and actually say you know what lord i don't deserve this i didn't earn it but i know i need it i know i need it because without it i'm i'm messing up and i am i'm falling short and i'm not i'm not strong I'm actually coming and realizing how weak I am. But I'm opened up at that point to receive a gift. And this is no ordinary gift. This is not a material gift. This is not just a a gift card to go spend some money at the store. This is a gift of life. This is a gift of justification. Justification. This is the life of the one who lived that life in our place. Knowing full well that we couldn't live that life. Only calling us to put our faith in Him to be the one to do it on our behalf. And He encountered, he encountered prosecution for it. He encountered ridicule for it, scorn, shame, accusation to give us a gift he died on a cross to give us his life someone gave their life so that we may receive life and then this has me thinking about all the times in my life that someone may have suffered so that I would be blessed and that's hard to think about it it reminds me of what true love really is it reminds me of what servanthood looks like. And it it calls for a response. It's not something that you really can just look at and shrug it off. It calls for an acceptance or a rejection. A rejection often leads to a coldness or a bitterness. And an acceptance often is compelling, like I need to... I need to do something. I'm compelled. So the cool part about this text, it's not writing off works. It's not saying that there's not work to be done. It's not saying that there isn't there aren't good works. But how this comes ground level to me is that you are his work. You were created by a master craftsman. You were made masterfully beautifully amazing you are made in a way that is finely tuned you are made to be an instrument of the most high most righteous god and you are made to walk in works that he has made in advance you are made to do things that of your own strength you're not going to have the power to do on your own and this points to our need for him that we need his Holy Spirit to even fathom walking in those good works, and this can be a somewhat daunting thing to think about too, because when thinking about purpose and you know what am i what am I made to do? It can be daunting to think about, well, am I walking in those good works, am I doing the things that That he has called me to do. That he is compelling me to do. And I think the glorious thing about the good news and humility is that coming before God with a humble posture, receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you do receive the Holy Spirit. And the glorious part about that is that his power will work within you. What he has started, he will finish he has sealed you with his Holy Spirit. And I, I was reminded, I don't remember where exactly I heard it, but someone said it. I liked it. None of it's leaking out. The Holy Spirit's not leaking out of you. And the flip side of justification of that none of your works qualify you is that now your sin does not disqualify you either. So it does work both ways. But if we if we go by the system of my works are qualifying you, then what happens is that we got a whole other ledger of, of sin on this side that we've got to be worrying about balancing this out the whole time. Like, I can't do that kind of math. I don't know about y'all. Man, um, I'm also not the person for the job because I'm not qualified for the job. But we know the one who is. And when we see his life, we have a picture through Scripture what his life looked like. So, what does our justifier looks like what does humility look like we see Jesus Christ come to live a life in the flesh God in the flesh walking among us doing amazing things performing miracles the blind see the sick are healed the lame walk the dead are raised and what we don't see is a prideful man. We don't see somebody who has to uh, wear all his badges of honor on his chest to let us know how great he is. We see somebody who the culture and the love that he walks in speaks for itself. We see somebody who is, has every right to be exalted over us Yet takes every opportunity, like we see him serving the uh, disciples, to wash their feet. Something a slave or a servant would do. And we see somebody making themselves lesser so that the people he came to serve would be lifted up. And that has me thinking about leadership. What are the good leaders I've seen in my life do? Well, they get underneath their people and they lift them up. They see the strengths in their people and they lift them up. And oftentimes, what that actually means is that they take a lot of flack or they suffer on behalf of those who they're coming over they, that they're actually they actually have a, a degree of authority over, um, and they're coming underneath them to lift them up, and they're covering ideally would mean that they're actually a source of protection, too, so that if any attacks come, they're going to be the one to take the hit. And I I have no doubt that there are parents in this room who know what that looks like. I know we have some teachers who may know what that looks like, any leaders who may know what that looks like, um, to want the best for your kids, your students, the people that you serve, the people that you lead. You're you're you've taken hits on their behalf. You've taken flack on their behalf and it would be probably pretty out of out of in poor taste or tone deaf or even just uncalled for to. Try to justify ourselves, because I think when we know that God sees those things, we we know that we don't have to outline, well, I went through this, 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 this and this for you, because once we do that, it's like it loses all its steam. I want to take us to our next text which is in Romans. It's going to be Romans 3:21 to 31. But now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe Just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one. Who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith? Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? No, nope, by no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. And I love that we are told that God is the God of the Jews and the God of the Gentiles. And how how I'm piecing this together with everything that else that we're talking about is having to do with this idea that these are two perceivably different groups on different ends of the spectrum one of them has this law that that may or may not mean that they are the chosen people and the other is going to be looked at by this chosen people like um like filthy like like sinful and there's a degree of pride that may may come and on the other side the other group of people may may see this other group of people as self-righteous, pretentious. They don't carry out the law, so who are they? And then even in Romans it says, when people without the law act according to the law, they become a law unto themselves. So there is no favoritism, and God is one, and He becomes the God of all of us. We are invited into a family, and to see each other as family, and to see each other as brothers and sisters, and to take down this this judgment system by which we condemn others when they don't meet our qualification of who we think they need to be because that's exactly how we looked at Jesus before we knew him. That's exactly how Jesus was looked at before he was crucified. This isn't the Messiah that we expect to be coming. This isn't the Messiah that we want. The Messiah that we want is a military leader. So crucify him. And in our own lives, before we knew Jesus, and I don't know how everybody in this room came to know Jesus specifically, so I can't speak for every single one of you, but I can speak to myself. Um, Before I knew Jesus, I had contempt in my heart for this idea that I needed to look to another man to be my savior. Or I had contempt in my heart for this idea of religion. Or I had contempt in my heart for this idea of what everyone else was saying about who Jesus was and therefore I had this skewed and slanted view but this also promoted a false belief system that's the ironic part is that even though I was not a believer in Jesus Christ I still prescribed two belief systems even though I prescribed to a false belief system this this promoted separation in my life it's promoted tribalism where I would stand over here with my group of people and anybody who didn't look like us, y'all are the enemy. And if everybody's doing that, we're at war all the time. And what, what are you willing to do in war? I mean, we see, we see you heard the phrase war is hell. Um, what are we, what are we willing to do on behalf of a cause that we view as righteous often can be? Heinous. And then we see the picture of true righteousness as the man of Jesus, and I think that's the glory of coming to get to know him yourself, reading through the scriptures yourself, praying to him yourself, humbling yourself before him, and actually bearing your heart before him for yourself, is that you see a very different picture of what righteousness looks like. You see kindness and you see mercy. And you see grace you see holiness and there's also a realization of I can't invent something to measure up to that I, I am not capable of mustering or bringing forth something of my own right that even could live in the same category as his grace, righteousness, mercy justification So today we're coming here. This is a communion service. And it was interesting thinking, like, how does this stuff pair up? How does this message speak to communion? How does this message talk about when we come to celebrate the bread and the cup and the body? How do these how do these texts, how does justification relate to communion? Well, I'm thinking about justification as how it relates to how it relates to a family, or how it relates to my relationship with God. A big word that the Lord has on my heart lately, even before being asked to do this message, is union. And what does union look like? And what is what does it look like to become one? First, with God. What does a union with God look like? There's a merging. And he's used marriage as a device to describe this. And it's no wonder why marriage is described in Scripture as holy and sacred and a picture of Christ and his bride. You see a covering. You see a merging of, at one point in time, two separate things, and you see them become one. And you see the romance in that. You see the wooing in that. You see the covering in that you see the authority of christ taking authority and headship over his church and covering his church and you see him redeeming his his bride and you see him lifting his bride up to a point that um is only able to be done in grace and in mercy and i'm thinking about justification how it relates to my relationship with god well when I try to justify myself, I'm denying a need. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at myself as the bride of Christ. And I'm denying my need for the bridegroom to come and be my covering, saying, I got this because I've done this, 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 and this. That's my justification saying for the time being, I'm saying, I got this. Um, I don't need covering. I don't need protection. I don't need a sense of leadership or authority. I don't need um, grace or mercy. And I'm calling, actually, I'm calling condemnation on myself. When I think I'm justifying myself, I'm calling condemnation upon myself. And the tragic part is, in the midst of community, well, in my relationship with God, there's a separation. There, There's, there's walls up, there's a separation. There is... Almost like a, a wall when it comes to the healing process say say we're hurting say we're dealing with pain um, say there's trauma And when i'm living in pride i'm putting a halt on that progress of healing Because I think i'm okay Or I think I think that I have to tell everybody that i'm okay or I have to be okay in this world And that's just not that's not the truth if, if i'm if i'm gonna be If i'm gonna be completely real with you guys um for a while, I have felt like I am not okay. And I'm only able to stand before you and speak like this through the power of the Holy Spirit because I have not been okay. But in that, I think I'm witnessing a miracle in who God is. And I hope that this communicates something supernatural and miraculous to those around me, not because. I did anything, but if I'm able to now come before you all and say I've actually been broken, like I've been weak, I've been lonely, I've been struggling, I've been tired, I've been I've been tired, y'all. Um, and if I'm able to humble myself and actually admit that, now I can invite in healing, and now I actually can look at other people among me. And acknowledge you're hurting too. Whereas before, I'm okay, I'm not hurting, but here secretly I'm being triggered by everybody else who's hurting because I'm reminded of how much I'm hurting. Or I'm reminded of what I struggle with. I'm seeing a sin in somebody else that, oh man, oh that's detestable. Maybe it's something that I've struggled with and maybe it bothers me because I've struggled with it at some point in time. Or maybe I thought about it, but I never acted on it. But because I thought about it and I still have a degree of shame about it, it really bothers me and triggers me. And I just want to externalize and I want to be like the Pharisee. Thank you, God. I'm not like that. But at that point, I'm putting a wall up and I am denying divine healing to come into my life. Well, Amir, how does that relate to communion? We'll get to that. Communion, we are sharing in a body that is broken. How many among us are broken? How many people in this room right now, at some point, doesn't have to be right now. You could, you could be joyful and you're rejoicing right now. I don't want to take that away from anybody. I don't want to speak um, sadness or, or wretchedness over anybody but i mean how many people at some point in time maybe even in this past week have felt like man i'm really broken i don't know who i can talk to about this and even if i'm willing to admit before god how broken i feel or the things i'm struggling with or that sin i don't know how to talk about if i can talk to god about this i don't think i could talk to anybody else about it because well, I know what they're going to say. I know I know how they respond, or I've heard how other people talk about similar situations when they're not in the room. So I know what the response today looks like. So therefore, I'm not going to talk about it. Sorry, breath. Um, there's something sobering that comes to my heart when it comes to suffering, trial. Struggles with sin, um, just uh sifting in your life trials and tribulations that have maybe have nothing to do with sin maybe there's a there's something that God just had for your life because He was going to build you and grow you, and going through that, if you feel like nobody understands what you're going through and you don't and you don't feel safe to divulge that. We may never heal and we may never receive mercy and we may never be open to the free gift and the grace of God, the Holy Spirit. We may never be open to receiving the restoration that God is wanting and willing to do in our lives. And in terms of a body, maybe our suffering is not just for us, maybe our suffering is food for somebody else. In the way that Jesus is suffering, we look to Him. And we see his suffering was to give us new life. And he has now given us his life to walk in eternal life. But we also share in his sufferings. And when we share in his sufferings, I think we realize that our suffering, I don't know if anybody else has had this experience. If you have talked to somebody about something deep or something troubling you in your life, and it's just like somehow God knew how to bring you to that one person who needed to hear that. Or somehow God knew how to put you before that one person you felt safe around for some reason. You're like, I don't feel safe about around many people, but for some reason I'm struggling with this thing. And now I'm in front of somebody who, and they just maybe said something that lets me know they get what I go through. And there's something supernatural about that. But I think the encouragement about that is that we are not just separate, individual people walking around just uh, divorced from each other. What does union mean in context of the body? Well, we are members of one body. We have one God. We are under one God. God is the God of the Jew and the Gentile. And how that applies to us is each one of us are, are linked together. We are a family. And each one of us has something that it can take a lot of courage and humility to come before God first and admit our faults, our sin. God, I have struggled. I have struggled with impurity in my life. Um, I've struggled with compulsion and addiction. I've struggled with anger and resentment. And as I'm able to admit those things, Somehow he's bringing me around people who have struggled with those same things and we, f- we, we can feed each other. We can encourage each other. We can pray for each other. We can be there for each other like a family needs to be there for each other. And suddenly it's like, wait, I have a blood family, but I don't know why I don't always feel that way in my blood family. I don't know why I don't always feel that safe. But for some reason, in the body of Christ, there are these moments where it becomes very clear like, you all are my family. And I, and I experienced like I experienced this with my with my family, but there is something deeper that I think is able to come about when we know that we're here because of Jesus, that He suffered on our behalf, so our suffering is he understands it, and that if we are able to humble ourselves before our brothers and sisters and share with them, we may actually be we may actually invite healing in for ourselves but we also may have the privilege to be a part of the healing process for someone else too. This can help us um also forgive too because I don't I don't know how if y'all have ever had somebody you've struggled to forgive if you've ever had a really deep hurt and um and you know you need to forgive them. You know it's the right thing to do. You know, biblically, it's the right thing to do. And you just don't know how. You just don't know how to find it in yourself to forgive that person. And it's it's weird sometimes how God will show you reflections. Um, I I had a lot of judgment and hatred in my heart about my father for a long time. I grew up thinking that like no man in his right mind could ever treat A woman the way my father treated my mom no man should ever treat a woman like that no man should ever raise his voice no man should ever be violent no man should ever um i had all these judgments and all all these bitterness about who my father was and he passed away while i was still bitter with him and then in my most lost periods of my life I found myself starting to get glimpses of getting myself into a lifestyle, and getting myself into a situation, getting myself into habits that very weirdly mirrored who I once judged my father to be. And God used this to show me anyone is capable of, of falling into darkness. But the only way out of that darkness is not going to be the hand of condemnation, but the hand of mercy. And as we are in the body together today, we have the opportunity to be that hand of mercy for someone. We are celebrating the death of Jesus Christ because this was his hand of mercy to us. We have a a Lord and Savior who gave his body and his blood and poured himself out so that we could receive salvation. But he calls us to walk as he walked. He calls us to be there for each other in the way as, as, as humble servants and submit ourselves to one another and to be vessels for healing and to share in suffering with each other. And today you may have an opportunity to extend that hand of mercy to somebody or to hear somebody, to listen to somebody. You may have something on your heart today that you haven't talked about with anybody. Um, I would urge you to talk to God about it today first. And I would urge you to let him give you the grace. He may not call you to speak to somebody, a person about it, but he may call you to speak to a person about it. And that person may be sitting here with you today. But what I'll say is, as we discern the body, you may be surprised the kind of healing that that invites in. As we allow God to give us grace to be merciful to each other and be kind to each other and to listen to each other because I'm reminded through some of these texts. It's not in these specific texts, but we did a Bible study this week and what I was reminded of is it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And I can can personally attest that in my life it is God's kindness and him calling up and out of me something greater. Then I knew that I even was like he's when he calls you something that you're like, I don't even see that in myself yet. It calls you higher. It calls you to rise to the occasion to to live in that. And we have the opportunity to to be that for our brothers and sisters here today. If I can have the worship team come up and. um, We have the opportunity to be that for each other. We have the opportunity to somebody somebody struggling with uh anger we have the opportunity to call out and speak i i see the peaceful person in you i see christ in you who is peaceful who is merciful who is forgiving and i need help forgiving i know there are, i know there are things on my heart where it's like I forgive one moment and then something triggers me and then I'm all of a sudden I'm like, I have this bitterness or I have this, this hurt that rises up again and it's like, Lord, help us to be here for each other so that we can learn how to forgive, learn how to be forgiving and invite healing. We have a Lord who has defeated the ultimate foe. Death is defeated. We have been cleansed of our debt of sin. If you don't know Jesus today, you can be freed from sin and death. And you can taste and get to know that freedom right here, right now, and know that you are forgiven right here, right now, because that's what He died to do. And if you already know Jesus, may we remind each other that we are a forgiven people, that we are a redeemed people. We are not justified because of what we do or where we go to work or how much money we make or what we've done through our lives or or how many people we've helped or even if it is within the church, that's not what makes us holy. We are here to remember today the one who gave his life so that we would be justified and we receive his holiness and his holiness is a gift and there are good works for us to walk in and he will compel you to walk in those works and he will open your eyes so that you know what those works are when they are it'll be like clear you might not even be looking for it and he'll put something in front of you and it'll be a god thing and you'll know this is what i'm supposed to do today and it might not it might not be what makes me a whole lot of money it might not be what i really you know enjoy doing if it's like a pleasurable thing but it will matter and it will be in alignment with the heart of the father and that's how we know it's from him if y'all want to join me in prayer um we will pray before we start the communion and um I just want to thank y'all for being with, with me here today. Um, I want to thank y'all for just being my family and encouraging an atmosphere that we do have a place where we can go and be safe and and let each other know the deep things inspire just deep growth because growth in Christ is essential. Um, and... How many times will you just hit a brick wall if it's just the way the world wants it to be done? But as we grow in Christ and and, and we love each other, Jesus says they will know you by how you love each other. They will know you are my disciples by how you love each other. So it does shine into the rest of the world. It does extend an invitation. I know it's very easy to feel like, man, it's hopeless. Like this world is going down. But as you love each other, you extend the arm of mercy and the arm of hope into the world, and you call people into the kingdom, and and may they answer the call. If you all will join me in, in prayer, we'll get ready for this communion. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to sit down. Because this is deep. Okay. Lord, I want to thank you for bringing us all together here today under this roof in your body, that we are supernaturally united in your body, not by walls or by accolades or by achievement, but by the shed blood of your son, Jesus Christ. We are here today to celebrate his righteousness, his sacrifice, the table that we can celebrate that death is defeated once and for all the sacrificial system the by which animals have to be you know there are partial sacrifices that we have to bring some sort of penance or some sort some type of offering to appease someone that 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 system is over and that we have a righteous a righteous judge who has justified us has given his life and his and his body and his blood to feed us and to give us new life. And Lord, help us to discern the body today. Help us to humble ourselves and not exalt ourselves over one another. Help us to not condemn our brothers and sisters, but to humble ourselves before our brothers and sisters so that we may invite in healing and give us the courage and boldness because this is not of ourselves. I know my, my I myself don't have The strength to just muster up the kind of courage it can take some time to really just let out that thing that's bothering you. But you're the one who can compel us. You're the one who can overflow us with that love and that grace to be able to do that. And then also to be a listener. Lord, prepare our hearts for this communion and help us to prepare our hearts. If there's something on our heart that we need to confess Lord give us the strength to confess it to you and Lord give us the grace to to share with our family to be safe and to know who we're safe around so that we can heal we can forgive that we can walk as you walked and we can learn how to serve each other we thank you for this opportunity we thank you for your sacrifice Lord and let us celebrate like this is a celebration to I we can get together and we can celebrate. Um, we see the world portray this idea of what a celebration is, but we, we, need to, we need to be the people who celebrate in holiness and in righteousness and know really how to enjoy life with each other. Lord, help us to celebrate and be joyful and rejoice in the truth of what it is that you have done by being our justifier. We thank you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.